Hey, good morning, everybody. So great to, to see everybody today. If it's your first time at I-90, wanted to welcome you. Thanks for, thanks for joining us today. We've got a lot to celebrate today, and I'm excited about that. Um, man, but before we, before we get going into here, and I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about what we're going to be doing this morning here, um, I'd really like to pray. So if you guys would just join us, let's all, let's all just pray together. Um, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you into this place. Lord God, we, we thank you uh, that we can even come here, Lord, that we can have the boldness um, to baptize people into your name, Lord, that we can have the boldness to worship you and praise you and expect from you um, like, like that you'd, you'd accept us. Um, all that comes from the things that you've assured us of. And so remind us of those things this morning. Lord, would you fill us up with your spirit, Lord, that, that sign, that symbol to us of, of your acceptance of us, Lord. Lord, you don't, you've taken away anything that removes us, Lord. Lord, by your grace, Jesus, you've done the work to draw us near to you. And so we just want to sit in that place and celebrate that fact and, and thank you for what you've done, Lord. Lord, fill us up this morning, I pray. Fill us with joy and clarity and faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're doing um, a lot. We're trying, to, we're trying to accomplish a lot here this Sunday morning. Um, we're doing two things. Well, number one is that we are continuing on in this series that we started last week, Becoming Everyday Disciples. And we're just, we're just thinking about what it would mean for us as a church, for I-90, to be people who are committed to discipleship. And, and the, the process, I would say, because I think it's a process of, of becoming people who are disciples. Who are taking on that identity and living that life. And as we talked about last week, the aim, my hope for this series and for this whole year is that we would grow in our faith, not through hyping ourselves up, right? Doing the normal things we do when we're about to overcome or make a change in our life, right? Not trying to stir up our emotions, but actually to, to learn to be strong in a different way, to learn to grow in our faith in, in, in a new way, uh, to live in such a way that we are becoming people of courage and of strength and of faith who are building those things into our lives, not just, again, like through, through the, an act of will, but through setting ourselves up to live a kind of way that is leading to strength. Because I really do think that's the invitation that we have. If we're going to be people who follow Jesus to be disciples, it's not just to, again, like, like, like have a certain mental capacity to have faith, but it's to live in what Jesus claims is true and to live according to that knowledge, which is to live according to faith. And as we discussed last week, our plan in this series is to just talk about some things that I'm hoping and I'm asking you, if you are a part of I-90, to, to do, to do along with me and to do together. These are things that um, I'm going to think that are going to help us to, again, live as disciples, be everyday disciples, to grow into the kind of people who have the kind of faith that is strong and courageous and bold and is able to meet the moments and the difficulties of this day. Because following Jesus now, I'm actually not sure if I 100% believe this, but I'm going to say it anyway, you know, take it with a grain of, grain of, grain of salt, following Jesus is, is difficult in our day, or at least it is certainly difficult if we are not growing in our faith. 
And so, like, how do we become people who, who do that? And the, the acronym, and again, I patted myself on the back. I'm going to do it again. I'm pretty proud of it. I'm not even going to tell you what it is today. I'll tell you what the words are. I'm, for, for those of you who knew, I am very lame, and I, am, I make a lot of lame jokes, and if you just you have to cringe and, 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 and bear through it. I apologize, but that's just who I am. Um, the acronym, for which I am immensely proud, is, is, is to the word become, B-E-C-O-M-E, and, and each, each week we're going to talk about one of these letters, one of these practices, and I'm not even going to tell you anything more than that. But the hope is that we're going to put these things into practice, and then they're going to be uh, shaping us, forming us into the kind of people, people who are, are disciples, people who have strength, joy, peace, uh, an overflowing life with God. So that is the invitation. And my plan today was to actually jump into the first one, but then I started to think about it, and we got this baptism, and you know, you got to manage time, and so I'm not going to jump into the first one, so I apologize for letting you down. Come back next week, and I promise we'll get into the B of become. Um, so we're not going to do that because we're going to baptize some people. Um, and as I was getting ready for today, I, yeah, we just, we just realized we don't have time. So next week, we're going to do that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to have a great time today, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to focus in on, on, on this series. Because if you'll remember last week, I gave you a, a defini- definition of faith from Dallas Willard, and it goes like this. Faith is a commitment to action, often beyond our natural abilities, based upon knowledge of God and God's ways. And so all these things, these practices that we're going to do, they're things, they're they're, they're commitments to act according to a knowledge of God and God's way. And I think it's important for what we're doing as as we consider and we think about what's going on here with the baptism and then what's going on more broadly in this church We are trying to develop some practices, and and we're we're trying to make commitments of faith, but all of that stuff needs to be in keeping with our knowledge of God and God's ways, because that's the linchpin of faith. We come to know who God is. We come to know what God is like. Faith is not, as we sometimes think of it, planned irrationality. That's not what faith is. Faith is actually a perfectly rational behavior when we consider and rightly understand who God is and what he's like. A life lived by faith is reasonable in light of who God is. It it is consistent with a knowledge of God. And today, we're celebrating the fact that two people, uh, at least, maybe more, are stepping out into faith. Um, They're taking a step of action in light of their understanding of who God is. They're not proclaiming or, or, or believing themselves to have a perfect understanding to know everything about God, like they figured everything out and, and you know you should learn from them. But they're saying this, at least, I know enough about God and about who he is, what he's like, to take a step toward him, a, a, a step of faith, consistent with and understanding his character and who he is. And I have a confidence that as I take that step, he's going to meet me in that place. That's all it is. It's a a step consistent with knowledge. Jesus' whole life and ministry, if you read the Gospels, the middle part of this book, the accounts of who Jesus was and the words that he spoke and the things that he did, his whole purpose, it becomes very clear, was to reveal to us who God is and to demonstrate the love of God, the wisdom of God, 
the power of God, the character of God. In everything Jesus said and in everything he did and everything he made his life about, he was pointing to who God is. As Jesus came and he lived a perfect sinless life, instructing people in what was true and pointing them to himself and welcoming them into a life of God, he lived and he died a perfect life. He died on a cross to remove sin and all of that was to make it so clear to us who would come and ask and wonder, what is this life about and what are things for? And, and what is it like to know God? And what is my purpose? Jesus came to make all of that clear. He came to show us who God is, what God is like. Jesus came so that we would know God. In John 1, 8, Jesus, uh, it says this. The writer of the book of John says this. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son who is himself God, and is at the Father's side He has revealed him. That was Jesus' work, revealing God. He is God the Son. He's revealing God the Father. He's showing us who this creator is, what he's like, revealing God for who he is. Other translations, instead of the word reveal, use the word explain which is more obviously cognitive, and I think there's a degree to which that's, yeah, we need knowledge and we need to have some some thinking involved in it. Jesus is explaining to us what God is like. What's clear, no matter which way you take it, is that Jesus understands God. Jesus has a, a personal, experiential knowledge of God who created the whole universe, and his desire, we see throughout the Gospels, is for us to know that God as well. Jesus kind of uh, lays that out in, in Matthew 11, verse 25. He says this. It's, 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 a, it's accounting uh, Jesus' message. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because it was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to be by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. See, Jesus is God, the Son, come to earth with the purpose of revealing, expressing, explaining, pointing us to God. His ministry and his work here are showing us God in all of his glory. He is demonstrating who God is so that we might understand And respond to and act according to a knowledge of who he says he is. And one of the remarkable things, I think it's really something that we we gloss over, we don't think about too often. One of the remarkable things that Jesus makes clear throughout his ministry is that God is a fundamentally relational God. Jesus, God the Son, he knows God the Father. He's in a relationship with God the Father. They're in a relationship of love which is shocking. Think about that, that God would love people, would love anyone. That is shocking because people throughout history, when we think of God and just like, just like think about what could God conceptually be like if we're just grasping at straws, we would definitely think that God is powerful. We would definitely think that God is, is mighty, that he, he's glorious, that, he, that he's, maybe he's holy. Right? We could think all these things about God, but to think that God is relational, I don't think that occurs to us naturally. That's something that needs to be revealed, explained to us. And Jesus makes it clear that God is loving. 
that he would care for others than only, only like we think, well, God just cares about himself and his own glory. Jesus makes it clear, no, God cares. God is a loving and a relational God. The Trinity, the fact that God is three persons in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, reveals his relationality. Daryl Johnson, a pastor from Canada, ex explains it this way. He says, I, I just love this. The living God is not a solitary God. The living God is not an isolated God. From all eternity, the living God has lived in relationship. Indeed, has lived as relationship. At the center of the universe is relationship. From all eternity, the living God has been community, family. From all eternity, the living God has been infinitely pleased as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, what Jesus makes clear, and it doesn't... It doesn't like the, uh, I, I'm not saying, oh, I perfectly explained the Trinity, right? Like everybody's like, oh, yeah, I get it now. I get it now. 2,000 years of thinking about it, but we got it in that one little, little phrase. I'm not saying that. But what makes is super clear and what Jesus makes clear is that, at the, and I love this little phrase, at the center of the universe, there's a relationship. From love, God created all things. God has always existed, Father, Son, and Spirit. God has always existed in relationship. He always will. And Jesus reveals clearly. He shows us God's nature, his goodness, his glory. He tells us that God is love, that he's, he's relational. He's created us from love so that we might share himself. He would share himself with us so that we might come into a relationship with him. And Jesus, his message, right, aside from revealing a knowledge of who God is, he explains who God is to us, to me, to you. Jesus comes, actually, and he invites people into that life, into life with this relational God. He invites us into a life with God. That is, that is astounding. Going on in Matthew 11, Jesus says this, or backing up a little bit, right? No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Jesus' mission is revealing God the Father, God the Son, inviting us into this relationship so that we might understand who God is, what he's like. And how does that happen? Jesus goes on. He says, come to me. All you are who are weary and you are burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, Jesus came to reveal knowledge about God, but he also comes with an invitation. A shocking one if we really think about it. He doesn't just say, hey, you should know God the Father, Son, and Spirit is so cool. He always has been. He always will be. And he's in this love relationship. Like, like This isn't just like a head knowledge that we should know about. He doesn't think, oh man, how cool is it that there's this exclusive Trinity club and God exists. He does reveal that to be true, but he goes on and he explains that the Son is actually revealing the Father to us. He's, he's explaining to us what God is like. In other words, 
Jesus is not just saying, man, the Father and me, we are so tight. Me and the Holy Spirit, man, we got it going on and we're awesome. He's saying God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Son has come to open up that relationship and let you know that it's true and that there is a God of love who's created you and everything around you. And his desire is that he would reveal himself to you so that you would know who he is, what he's like. Now, that would totally change your life, change your soul, change your destiny, change everything about the way you think about what is true. Because if you change what you think about what's true and what is ultimately right and who God is and what, what your whole purpose is, your life is going to change drastically. Jesus' mission on earth is to invite you to know and then to be a part of this love relationship that is at the center of the universe to welcome you into a life with God. Something you were totally ignorant of, blind to, to invite you into the love and presence and power of God, to restore what was lost at the fall when sin came into the world, to, to, to fill this world back up with his power and his grace and his care. And he invites us to be the, 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 enjoy the first fruits of that, to be the sorts of people who recognize who God is and start to live consistent with, with, with the invitation to know him. Invites you into the kingdom is the way that Jesus would have talked about it a lot. He used that word kingdom. A kingdom that is among us because he's come among us revealing who God is and inviting us into life with him. That's why Jesus told his followers, you know, anybody who was going to come and trust in Jesus by faith, he tells them this, right? Matthew 28, 19, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you're going to trust in Jesus, you're going to follow him, you are being immersed in, washed in a knowledge of Father, Son, and Spirit being a part of the life of God. It's going to change your life forever. And those who step out in faith are stepping into a relational life with God. A life filled with the presence of God, with the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God, who is just for some amazing reason, has opened himself up to us. And that, that would be so presumptuous of us to think that we could know God, like have a relationship with God, were it not based off of a sure knowledge of who God is and what he's like. Jesus has come to assure us that it is true, that this God loves us, that he's doing everything that's needed to bring us back into a relationship with him. He's building his kingdom. He is inviting people into his life. The question becomes, on what basis? Like, so, so if this is true, if this is who God is and what he's like, he's relational, he's extending his relationship with people, he's inviting us to be a part of this, this, this love that he has, is, is just fundamental to who he is, then who can come? And on what basis? And Jesus makes it clear right there in Matthew 11. Who can come? All who are weary and burdened. I've never been in a club like that. Never been in a, oh, yeah, like there's like we have this great society, this great relationship, this great thing. And, and you, you know what it, it's for? It's for the weary and burdened. It's for hurting people. It's for people who have a need. 
It's amazing, the character of God. You don't get invited into a love, with the love of God, into a relationship with him because you're so great or you're so smart or your jokes are so funny, which is good news for me, um, or because you're lovable or you're cool. You are invited in because you have a need. You are weary, you're burdened, you're hurting. You're someone who feels themselves to be cut off from their purpose and feels that, that lack in life as if there's something, something wrong with you. And, and, and what, what Jesus makes very clear is that, yeah, that's exactly who qualifies for this because there is something wrong with you. You have not known the love of God. You've not known who he is and what he's like. And so he's coming and saying, yes, if that's how you feel, wonderful. Father, Son, Holy Spirit have opened themselves up to you. Jesus is doing everything so that you would know and have this knowledge of him restored and that your life would be changed and you'd have spiritual life again and, and be brought back into what was lost because of sin. And so Jesus goes, he, he proclaims this, he tells people this, people are baffled by this, but they're excited because he speaks with such authority about the character of God, and he, he demonstrates the love of God like no one ever did. And then he goes to the cross, and he makes sure everybody knows that as he goes to the cross to die, he's doing it for a purpose, to make you so assured that your sin and the things you feel guilty about and the things that you think, oh, I could never come into the life of God with bearing the weight of these things. Jesus goes to the cross to make sure that you would know that he's going to take care of all of it. He dies for the sake of forgiveness so that you would know that he's accepted you as a weary, broken, sinful person. And if you just come with that knowledge of who he is and what he's like, and you just say, oh God, I know you know me from, from head to toe. You know every part about me. And I'm just coming with you. And I feel so bad about who I've been and what I've done and the, the things I've trusted in, the way I've lived my life. He says, that sort of person, that weary, broken, heavy laden person, that's the kind of person who can come into me and can be so fully assured that I will accept them and love them and welcome them into life with me. Those are the people you are the sorts of people. It's the people who know themselves to be like that who can come and have a life with God. And it is astounding. But over and over and over again, this is the message of the Bible that God is opening himself up for us. Hebrews 10. One of my favorite books is the book of Hebrews. Because it really just lays into the fact that Jesus truly does forgive. And, his, and a confidence and trust in him truly does lead to an assurance says this, Hebrews 10, 19, brethren, since we have a confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, into the very presence of God, through his flesh, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, since all this is true, since Jesus has made it so, has revealed to us that he's done these things so that we might come into the presence and life of God, then let us draw near with sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so those who are stepping in to the waters of baptism today, that's what they're doing. They're saying, okay, I understand what Jesus has done. He says it's true. 
And so I'm going to respond in faith according to what he reveals as knowledge, and I'm going to stand and I'm going to build my life on that. I'm going to come in assurance that it's not on the basis of anything but my weariness and my brokenness and my trust in Jesus that I can have this new life. You know who a great person to take a shower is, is a dirty person. (laughs) This is exactly who needs a shower. People who need to be washed and cleansed and have their hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience are exactly the kinds of people who can step into waters like this and have an assurance, walk away with an assurance that it's enough. So people are celebrating something that they're beginning. And then after that, like once you've begun this new life with God, Jesus' advice is really simple. Jesus' call calls us to just remain in that life with God, to remain in that relationship with God. This is the easy burden, the yoke that we're called to take up, is to remain in that life with God. In John 15, Jesus explains this to his disciples as he's about to step away, about to go up into heaven and ascend into heaven. He says, remain in me and I in you. That's all you have to do. Remain in me and I in you. I've opened up this relationship with God to you. Now just remain in me and I will remain in you. And just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. No one who remains in me and I in him produces uh, much fruit. Because uh, the one, excuse me, not not no one, the one uh, who remains in me and uh, and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. People who sign up to follow Jesus, who want to have faith, who want to have strength, who want to have courage, are not called now to a greater act of will to hype themselves up and to become just awesome people by their own strength. We are called only to do this one thing, to understand what has been open to us, a life with God on the basis of grace, and then to remain in that place, to continue in that place of Jesus doing something that we do not deserve, taking the yoke upon us of being disciples, that is, people who have fundamentally understood that the world is not the way I think it was. Actually, at the center of the universe, there's love and a relationship, and I just can live in that place. I can plant my heart and my feet and my actions and my hope firmly in that place and a confidence of who God is, and I'm going to remain in that place till the Lord brings me home. Amen. So guys, like, I mean, I, I, I want to, it's, it's hard because it's like, yeah, it's a serious thing to be baptized, right? It's a serious thing. It's on the basis of something that a lot of people would say, that's crazy. <laughs> you think you're going to have a relationship with God who created the universe? They'd say, you're just delusional, right? So, I mean, it's a serious thing to, to, to take that step. But at the same time, it is a simple thing. Following Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, living a life that is transformed, it all rests on everything that he's done and holding on to hope and faith in the things that he's done and seeking him first in everything. So it's a simple thing as well. But remaining in him, resting in that knowledge, rooting down and building my life about, around what he said is true, and how he said my life work, 
like words, that's what we're called to. Understanding what my life is now is what we're called to. And so some people are about to just say, okay, yeah, I understand this. I'm resting in Jesus. I don't know everything about what's coming next, but I know enough to take this step. And so as, as we're in just a second here, um, Bob, Bob's going to come up and pray. The, worship's gonna, the worship team's going to come up and pray. I'm going to go put some shorts on. So if you have sunglasses, you can put them on. That's a good joke. I like that joke. I'm proud of that one. Um, we are going to, uh, yeah, just celebrate this. And this is, this is a step that these people are taking. But understand this. Like, if, if you're somebody who's already done this, who's already given your life to Jesus, like, you have something else. Like, the call is the same. These people who are being baptized are being baptized into the life of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If you've already done that, like your, the call is the same. You're, you're to live the same way, living in a life with God. Like, like let's do that. I-90, let's do that together. Let's be people who are encouraging each other. Like, you're going to see these people. They're going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to trust in Jesus. Like, 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 follow up with them, encourage them. And then, like, let's do that to each other. Let's be people who are, who are pressing in, remaining in what Jesus has done, remaining in by faith according, according to his power, according to this life that's working in us. Let's do those things together. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to this season. <laughs> like, like, I look forward to us having the kind of faith that can make it through 2023 and 2024 and 2025, even if they're a repeat of 2020 and 2021, which I don't pray that on any of us. But you know what? I'm saying like, like a kind of faith that can get through everything and anything because it's just so rooted in what Jesus has done. Would you pray for us, Bob? Yes, I would. All right. Lord,